That's my buddy says. Uh, the worst part about Cosby was he was a hypocrite. And I said, I don't think that was the worst part. <laughs> part of the raping <laughs> way up high and then the second would be the drugging <laughs> and then the third would be the, the scheming <laughs> but anyways hypocrisy would be way fucking down the line you know like on the fourth page or some shit like, I'm no expert, but I think probably uh, most uh, rapists are hypocrites. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? A lot of guys go, I like to rape. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I know it's not a politically correct thing to say, but I like raping. <laughs> oh, God damn, at least he's not a hypocrite. That's the worst, <laughs> that's the worst part of it. Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you listen to Synchronon. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, E. Simon. Good day, mates. And I'm Kate. Couldn't give a 4X about anything, Rambo. Hey, Rambo. Hello. Yes. How's, uh, how's your COVID paid vacation going? Uh, this has been dreams do come true. I think Gabrielle sang that, and I am just reiterating what she said. Dreams do come true, D. I am they burning do. with jealousy. What We're going to explain why you're on a nine-day paid COVID vacation, but I just want to say something. This would never, that would never, ever happen in this country. Never happen. First of all, they don't give a shit about you. Any of your jobs don't give a shit about you. They'd make you take sick leave. And if you didn't have sick leave, unpaid vacation. I mean, unpaid vacation. Basically, you'd have to stay at home unpaid. And furthermore, like at, at like a regular, like a minimum wage job, let's say you got sick, it'd be unpaid leave. And then you're sick, so you have no health care. So then you're just fucked. Unless you're paying yeah. out of pocket for your medical care. So, yeah, it, it, it blows my mind that you... Your work is like, yeah, you could take nine days off, even though you don't even, well, whatever. Let's just get into it. You don't have COVID, yet you have a nine-day paid vacation. How did that happen? Yeah, so on the NHS track and trace, I still have the app. And because I've only had one vaccine, if my GPS tracks that someone around me has had COVID, I have to self-isolate. And in that time, I have to take the official COVID test, which... What is it called? The PRC, the PCR test. The PCR test, test yeah. Yeah. Um, so I had to self-isolate for nine days. Yeah, but so what if you don't have it? Like, you get the PCR test and it's like, oh, negative. You don't have to go back to work? Nah. I've still got to self-isolate until my time is up in case I develop symptoms. Because on the ninth day, I could suddenly start to feel crummy, take a lateral flow, and then it said I have COVID. But that's not what's happened, has it? So could you, like... So when you when you got pinged, tell me your reaction. Like I just want to I want to like kind of vicariously experience this. <laughs> well, it was the night I'd actually come off a, a week's worth of shifts, so I was relaxing. I was having a couple of glasses of wine, and my workmate she messaged me and she was like, 
um, you've got it. You've been pinged. And at first, I was worried that she had. Yeah, well, at first, I was worried she had the COVID and she's got three kids. So I was like, oh, shit, are you okay? Have you got the COVID? What's happened? And she was like, I've been pinged too. And then I looked through my notifications because I didn't believe it. And I saw, and I just clicked on it. And then I, I followed it through. I took screenshots of this joyous moment to send to all my other workmates. And then it said, you have to self-isolate for nine days. And so and when, like, when you say yes. pinged, the government sends you a text message. And it's like, well, hey. the app does. Okay, there's an app that you have to sign up, sign up for. And, and this app, um, you've told me about this before in England. Like if you go to bars or restaurants, you have to like scan it. Yeah, you check in with this app. A lot of people are like, well, it's just the government tracking you. So, well, let the government track me because I want to be pinged. And I got, I got, I've been, I got pinged at work of all places. I totally thought I would have got pinged like just by being out and about. So, so even if you were just like, let's say you were at a pub and you got pinged for that, your work still has to respect it. Because I can understand if you got pinged at work because you encountered someone else that had COVID. And then your work's like, all right, you know, we'll take care of you nine days. It's fine. And, you know, just take your tests. But you were like, you could be anywhere. You could be at the pub. You could be at a footy. You at could be at the, at the chip, the, the fish and the chip, chippy, the chippy, the, chippy. the fish and chip shop. And then uh, you get pinged and the, and it's just in the, the government will let you know that you're in the vicinity of somebody who potentially could have the virus. Yeah, firstly, don't mention fish and chips because now I want to have fish and chips. But because the only reason I get to self-isolate, it fucking is, mate. <laughs> the only reason I get I get to stay home and be paid uh, full pay as well. So I get, a, because I work night shift, I get a shift premium. I also get my shift premium on top of that is because I've had one vaccine. I was about a week away from getting my second vaccine because here we have to wait 12 weeks. It's like scientifically better if you wait a longer time in between your vaccine so whereas if i'd have had the second vaccine and i did a lateral flow and the pcr test and I, they were both negative i would have to go into work so this was the last gasp because i've been working all throughout lockdown so you, you've only had this one vaccine right just the one but when's, next week i'm getting my next second week you get your second so you so you could get pinged but then you get the pcr test and like oh you've had two vaccines you gotta come back yeah, if it said negative, obviously if it said positive, I would have to stay so you home. You really did get lucky. Like, you hit the lottery. It is like winning the lottery. And let me tell you, when I heard that news on that uh, that Wednesday, I no, it was Thursday, I have been drunk every <laughs> single day. That's what, I mean, I would just be stoned watching movies because you can't, you're not That's supposed to I leave did. your house, right? You got to self-isolate. Yeah, which I'm totally cool with. I had to walk to the post box to like post off my test. Go get some I booze at no the office. No, I'm not allowed to. I'm not allowed you to. You can get booze. You can't even walk up the street and get booze. No, you got to stay in your house. But those You've are essentials. People. What about if you like, need to get food? I did. I did a food shop, which over here you can do an online food shop, and if you put it in before 11 p.m., it can be like delivered the next day. So I did that. I got 80 quid's worth of supplies. I would say 40 quid. I'm only just running out of booze now. I ran out of beer um, last night. I like when uh, when they're like only, you know, essential businesses are open. All the uh, weed dispensaries are all considered essential. So they those are all essential. stayed open. No, yeah, no, definitely. That's why if, if I was in your situation, which would never happen to me in this country because they don't give a shit about their worker, their worker people. But I, if I was in your situation, yeah, I would just be getting stoned. I would uh, just be drinking every day. 
I probably wouldn't even get up to like 2 p.m. And then I'd my just wake sleeping... and bake and just, get, and just get drunk all day. I will say my sleeping patterns have been highly erratic, but they are my sleeping patterns are erratic anyways because I'm a night shift worker. Everyone who works night shift knows exactly what I'm talking about. But it ha- my I've been like sleeping for like 15 hours one day and then the next only sleeping for four. <laughs> it's like it's just been crazy, but I've been loving it. I've oh, just been watching like films, yeah. reading books. Well, you told me you were so bored you started watching Doom Patrol. We go into it on the outtakes. Kate, yeah. Kate Rambo's opinion of Doom bored. Patrol. I'm still withholding judgment on Doom Patrol. I'm still, I'm not there yet. But at the minute, I don't particularly like it. But you have been able to uh, have the free time and the liberty to watch yeah. a lot of films. So, uh, so, what, what, what have you been watching? What have you, what have you been doing? I, I've watched Double Jeopardy. I enjoyed that. I, do, I talk about all these films on um, Here we go in the, outtakes. the outtake. But the one but film the, that you did watch is kind of turned into the intro for the show. Uh, the yes, show my bloody. I watched Chopper for Chopper. the hundredth millionth time. I love that film. Eric Bana. You know, that's a, that was a great movie. You know, I'll never forget that movie because I remember I saw it in the theater when it came out. But uh, one of the reasons why it's so memorable is Eric Bana looks just like this asshole that lived next door to uh, oh, me shit. and my girlfriend at the time in our first apartment in San Francisco. This guy would have beat the shit out of me. He was just, he was like, looked just like Eric Bana. He was like a big dude and just a dick. Studying to be a lawyer would bitch if we were even playing like music at 9.30 p.m. Yeah. And we used You've to get in fights all the time. Oh, I hate that guy. Was this the guy you did the tofu prank on? No, that was another asshole. No, this guy, I, <laughs> this guy, I took, a, I took an Alaskan Pollock fish and just shoved it in his gas tank. Oh, that's nice. What a waste yeah. of fish. I know. But Such small whole, portions. I'm, I'm assuming it made his whole car smell. <laughs> anyway, so the guy crazy. was a fucking dick. Yeah. But looked just like Eric Bannon. So every time I uh, think of Chopper, I think of that guy. But the movie is great. Love that movie. And it's Chopper. A- Talk about a badass. Fucking love Chop Chop, man. He's like an anti-hero for this age, for sure. Hell of a story, too, with that guy. He is. So that's that's what we're doing today, aren't we? Getting into it. Getting into it. Yeah. Kate Rambo prepared a whole intro here. So much more professional than the intros that I <laughs> that I wing every show. Um, well, I've had nine days to prepare. Nine days to actually prepare <laughs> a professional uh, intro here. So uh, I'm going to pass the mic. Yeah. yeah so we're going to be talking about <laughs> Chopper, who is Australia's most notorious toe cutter. So this is Chopper to the human filth that I have bashed, belted, iron barred, axed, shot stabbed kneecapped set on fire and driven to their graves i regret nothing no so we're gonna remorse. start at the beginning with chopper so is the most sensible place to start isn't it d oh yeah it's probably sense. it's probably also the most boring we for gotta this talk about the origin of these guys because i think a lot of people don't even really know like you know a lot of americans don't really know the backstory of chopper and a lot of americans haven't even seen that movie but this guy really? i can't really think of too many americans that we're on the same level as Chopper. Oh, Chopper's, Chopper's a, a, a law unto himself. So I have a few books by Chopper, and he kind of glosses over his childhood, maybe because he wrote a lot of books in the end. Maybe in the later books, he does go into them. So he was born on the 17th of November, 1954. That means he's a Scorpio. So in astrology, the sun signs are all kind of recognized for various traits. Like you're an Aquarius. So Aquarius are known for like liking weird things. And the thing that's known about Scorpios is that they're absolute shaggers. So So if you're a Scorpio, and so we're (laughs) actually, (laughs) 
if your Venus is an Aquarius, you are known for being an absolute shagger. And they, you they know, also one have day... like very long uh, Todgers too. <laughs> a long Todger, yeah, that's long, another side yeah. effect. Long, long massive and thin. Schlongs. <laughs> a massive schlong. <laughs> so you can maybe keep that in mind as to why Chop Chop is the way he is. So his dad, Keith Reed, uh, he's a World War II veteran, and he would provide Mark with a safe space to live for the rest of his life. They were pals. So his, his name's Mark Chopper Reed. Mark Brandon. Brandon Reed. Brandon's Mark Brandon name. Reed. He's not about to become Chopper yet. He's just a little scallywag. Did you find out like what was. city he was born in? Was it like Melbourne or something? Because I was looking, yeah. I was looking it up. He was born in Melbourne. Then. Yeah, he's okay. born in the Collingwood districts, and I definitely oh, okay. get into later on about which areas he prowled. His mother, Valerie, she's a devout seven-day Adventist, and she would actually regularly encourage Keith to beat their son. This is before he's even five, and she was, by all accounts, mental and neglectful. I think if you're a seventh-day Adventist, you have to be mental. You know, you have you know, to be I have... It's a prereq. I have some relatives who are Seventh Day Adventists. I still did. I didn't know they were a doomsday cult until it's you a, told it's me. It's a doomsday religion. Yeah. It's crazy. So this is a quote from Chopper. He says, when I was born, my mother said that I was not a gift from God. Things went downhill from there. My mother was a devout Seventh Day Adventist who placed religion above anything else. I had no mother. She was so devoted to a church and that was it. And you were either with her or you were against her. So because of the beatings that she like basically forced on her son he was sent to a children's home during which time his sister debbie was born they're not close either and he got released back into his care parents care and i'm using the term care loosely and they moved all around kind of melbourne's collingwood and fitzroy areas so he grew up and by the age of 14 after regular beatings both at home and at school he was a wimp at school he got bullied mm. um and Reed also saying that he was molested at home. He made it was made a ward of the state and he was placed in several mental institutions. The first of which was at the age of 15, when he claimed that he received years of electroshock therapy, sometimes having up to 60 sessions. Mm. So his mother actually placed him there and she said she felt that if I could be deemed mentally insane, that I would be forgiven in the eyes of God and go to heaven. She's so so he had that. an idyllic upbringing. Oh yeah, just glorious, isn't it? <laughs> No wonder he turned out the way he did. Yeah, so he's had a childhood which was brutal, and now he's been institutionalized, and he's completely dislocated from reality. But actually, this is another reason, one of the many reasons I like Chopper. He never blamed his upbringing for the way he turned out. <laughs> it was said, all chop chop. Yeah, he says, if you want to hear about my childhood, I'll tell you, but I don't dwell on it, nor do I use it as an excuse for how I turned up. I just didn't have a very nice childhood. I mean, I've got to give him props. I didn't have a nice childhood either, and I don't blame my parents for that. It's just the look of the draw. But, you know, I it? completely empathize with that. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, obviously, people have go through some traumatic shit when they're growing up. You can't dwell on it. You can't use that as your crutch. You can't use it as you, an excuse. You got to move you, on. Exactly. Yeah, and I agree with him. By the age of 15, before he was institutionalized, his father, who actually slept with a loaded rifle at night, who was also very much on the sane side of life, he would give his son any weapons he wanted. It's a bit like your mum giving you nunchucks and um, I don't what they call the I don't stars. think she knew what nunchucks were. And ninjas were, ninjas were a big thing in like 1984 <laughs> oh, yeah. or whatever. You know, in 86 when I got that shit. 
so um, Keith, he would teach Mark Brandon um, rabid ultra-right bigotry, and he had a strong moral code and a love of brutality. This is like, you know, this is the days before we learned what PTSD really was. So his dad also- wasn't a big fan of the Aboriginal people? No, but at, at that time, that was quite normal in Australia. I mean, it's only like, what, in the last couple of years that they were even, even given rights. So mm. a lot's come on since then. He also imparted these words of wisdom upon Chopper. He said, remember, son, just because you're going to kill a man is no reason for discourtesy. I so, promise I won't do Australian all over this. <laughs> What's <laughs> interesting is how uh, like the number of guns that Chopper had. I mean, obviously at an early age, but it sounds like his dad had like a whole arsenal of, uh, of weapons. And he would give his son any guns he wanted. And so I was, when I was reading this, I was, I was reading about Chopper. I was like, how did this guy get so many guns? I thought Australia banned guns. But they didn't, actually. They didn't ban guns. Or not ban guns. Because you can get guns in Australia, but they didn't restrict and pass gun laws until uh, really following a 1996 mass shooting in which yeah, 35 people in Tasmania yeah. uh, were killed. And put the Port Arthur massacre. And so from there, that's when they started having a set of, like, firearm management principles into their own uh, legislation and regulation. I mean, if, if you think about it, I know the U.S. could maybe learn something from this. I mean, th- these are like laws that make sense. These are common yeah. sense gun laws, you know? You got to register your firearms. You got to get licenses. You have to like, which I think is similar to England, because England you can get a gun, but you have to like prove a genuine reason for owning a firearm, like a, an occupational yeah. use or membership of like a shooting club or you're a hunter. You know, it's not I like you gun just... laws also but... change because of mass shooting as well, because it changed because of Dunblane. And there's also no one out there in this country who says that Dunblane was a hoax <laughs> either. Well, exactly. And then you look at how many like acts of gun. I mean, obviously people are like, well, look how many stabbings there are. You know, but it's like, no, you don't kill as many people with a knife as you would a gun. And I don't no, want to but- go on like some, you know, gun law rant here, but it makes sense what they did. Like, you know, uh, in Australia, it's like a new license applicant had to go take an accredited training course in firearm safety. You don't have to do that in this country. You don't even have to have a high school diploma. You could like walk across, like when I was in Phoenix, you could walk like over to like the, uh, the, the subdivision over there, you know, the strip mall and walk into a, into a gun shop and you could buy a gun within two hours. I think you have to fill out a questionnaire. Yeah, that's crazy. It's, it's totally crazy. Um, you know, uh, you have to uh, you have strict firearm storage requirements you have to adhere to. You know, and your sales have to be conducted through licensed firearm dealers. Like here, you can go to gun shows in Nevada. Like I can go to a gun show and buy a fucking AR-15. It's insane. But the, but this but Chopper had access to all these guns like well before these gun laws were ever put into effect. And also Chopper is um, a man living on the outside of society. I don't think he's going into shops and buying guns. I think he's buying them off his mates. Who yeah, he probably them from... got them illegally yeah. too. But, but what I'm saying is like by passing just common sense gun laws, like you got to get a license for that. You got to learn how to use it. But it's against our constitution, yeah. <laughs> Sonny. Well, you know, the simple answer to that is, is make bullets cost 10 grand each. There you go, problem <laughs> like solved. Rock joke. Yeah, I love that joke. <laughs> So we talk about Chopper, he lives outside of society, but he still lived by a code. Um, this is what makes him a cool old school kind of gangster. It was a code that saw him target thugs and criminals, but he would spare innocent civilians. 
As he sees it, if drug dealers or pimps preyed on addicts and prostitutes, self-employed headhunters like Mr. Reed, he would prey on them right back. By the age of 15, he was an accomplished street fighter. He was leader of the Surrey Road Gang, a hardened street gang, and it included such elite members as Terry the Tank, Dave the Jew, and Cowboy Johnny Harris, all who had notorious reputations for violence. And you can read more about these people in his book, in his books. And he began robbing drug dealers and massage parlors in the Prahan, Praran area in Melbourne. You know, and he- I looked yeah. up uh, some of the people that were they were in his crew because I was like, Dave you looked the up Jew. Dave the Jew. You yeah, because totally I was looked like, the name sounded really knew. familiar. Huh. And he, well, in college, <laughs> this is the reason I remember that. In college, I read a whole thing from some class I took, I don't remember, but it was a class on Jewish gangsters. And there was a Jewish gangster that ran with like Bugsy Siegel and all those guys named Davey yeah. the Jew. I know about him too. Yeah, so I was like, when I saw that, I was like, that's so cool. <laughs> There's another, th- you guys could have formed a little trio and been the Free Daves, the Free Evil Dave Jews. Dave the Jew, yeah. I think yeah, I'm going to change my cool. name from D. Simon to Dave, Dave the Jew. Dave the Jew. I would, I'm going to start calling you that. He says, so, the, you know, they're robbing these drug dealers. He then graduated to kind of kidnapping the drug dealers. And he would use instruments like his two snakes, uh, Ron and Reggie, named in honor of the Cray twins. We've got to cover yeah. the Cray twins at some point. Or he would use blow torches on the soles of their feet. Or he would relieve them of their toes using bolt cutters. All his ways to extract, extract information and uh, more money out of his so-called victims. As Chopper said, there are none so merciless as those who have been shown no mercy. He you also know, said, yeah. He's very similar. He's almost like an Aussie Dexter. Like, do you think he had a kill room? Like a, a room wrapped in like a plastic tarp? No, he tortured I think... Them? Or was it just, just on like a warehouse, like, yeah, a warehouse. chair in a warehouse? <laughs> yeah, he's like a 15-year-old boy doing this at the time. Can you imagine? Yeah, no, so, but you got to, I mean, although he's going after, he's like a vigilante in the sense he's going after evildoers, he's got to be getting some sadistic pleasure out of this. Oh, he did. You can tell. Oh, yeah. You can tell he's got him. He's a bit on the scale of psychopath. He's a bit more on no, there. No one uses a blowtorch on someone's, the soles of someone's feet if they're not enjoying it. Well, if you want to hear a description about that, he says that the smell when you put the blowtorch to someone's feet is hard to describe. It is a cross between burnt hair and roast pork, a sweet, stick, sickly smell that hangs heavy in the air and it gets right into your hair and clothing. <laughs> chop, chop. He was enjoying himself. And it was at the age of 17 that he first shot a man, although in like kind of typical chopper humor, we don't know the outcome of this like said low life of humanity or whether it's true or not. But the Surrey Road Gang, uh, Surrey Road Gang, they were feared. They had a collection of weapons. They had handguns, shotguns, World War bayonets, snakes, tomahawks, meat cleavers. They had iron bars, cattle prods, and they would use old school tactics on their enemies. Wait, no boomerangs? This is Damn Australia, it, right? Why don't they have boomerangs? I still I wonder if boomerangs are like actually real or if it's just a thing that it's kind of like fosters. Have we like built it up? I think the like, they... people used to hunt with boomerangs. I, mean, I might Do be they? mistaken, but maybe Australian listeners let us know. But I suppose it's like I chucking so. a, a rock, isn't it? If you chuck yeah, a but rock, it comes hard, back. Knows... Yeah, does it though? That's what I mean. Yeah, we have you ever thrown a boomerang up. before? I have enough time left that today. I'm going to devote it to learning about <laughs> boomerangs. So Dave the Jew. 
he constantly read Mein Kampf. He com- he said to Chopper loads, know thy enemy. And so Chopper, he took this to be his life motto. And he learned basic black and tan logic and task- tactics. So for instance, they bashed a rival's gang leader as he left the cemetery after his mother's funeral. And over time, they broke the legs of a brother of an enemy. And then they caught the one that they wanted to catch in the waiting room in the hospital. It's all IRA tricks that Chopper had learned from his like reading of military history <laughs> that his dad had a well-stocked library of. So this is a quote from Chopper. The Australian penal system is a sick, corrupt, drug-infested cesspit of mental illness, perversion, and despair, where violence is part of the routine. And this is, Mark Brandon was to spend the majority of his life in the penal system. He was only spent 13 months of the, on the outside between the ages of 20 and 38. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was completely institutionalized. And prior to that, you know, he was in mental institutions, being beaten in, the, in the, you know, foster homes and things like that. This this guy lived his life in the system. I think it's a bit that there's a Charlie Manson quote where he says, if you kick somebody every day and call them a dog, don't be surprised when they turn into a dog. And they bite back. Yeah. So he was first sent to Pentridge, one of the most violent prisons in Australia. He was serving 13 years after being convicted of armed robbery, kidnapping, arson, impersonating a police officer, assault, and attempted murder. (laughs) Just chucking everything at him. And when he was inside Pentridge, uh, a lot of people will remember the film if you've seen the film. It's kind of where the film starts. It's one of the bloodiest crime wars. It was raged for five years inside called the Overcoat Gang War. Well, his gang was called the Overcoat Gang because they wore long coats like all year round to conceal their weapons, which is crazy. Yeah, but it's trench like trench coat, coat mafia. mafia. But it's just yeah. crazy that these prisoners are just like wearing these long trench coats, you know, or overcoats around the prison. And, and people know that they have like whatever knives and tomahawks, no boomerangs. But yeah, it's just it's just kind of funny to me that they just wore these trench coats like all year round. I definitely think uh, society's attitude to prisons has changed since Chopper's days. I think back then it was a case of these are bad buggers. They're going to go in and we're just going to lock them up and throw away the key, let them do whatever. I think it is. Pentridge has like kind of changed. No, it's definitely changed. Now they're like, oh, you want to become a woman? Well, sure. We'll pay for it. <laughs> Please. Let's, let's, He's gone go, too girl. far the other way. Go, yeah. girl. <laughs> so this overcoat gang war uh, is one of the, the bloodiest crime wars. It started over something very, very small. As most things in prisons do, they escalate because you've got nothing else to do. So it was when inmate Piggy Palmer accused Chopper of eating the Christmas sausages in H Division. Yeah, Piggy Palmer. Palmer had said that Chopper had guzzled 60 sausages, something which I have been accused of doing on a Saturday night. So this is ridiculous or not. Harsh words were spoken and blood enemies were made. I think Piggy wanted those sausages. I think Piggy did too. So beside the great Christmas sausage scandal, there was another underlying reason for the war. So on Chopper's side in the in the Overcoat Gang was another inmate called Billy the Texan Longley. Other inmates, he was hated. He had a price on his head and they wanted his head on a plate. But they all knew that if you got the Texan, then you had to get Chopper first. Chopper was protecting him. So during this five-year war, the Overcoat gang they were outnumbered but chopper and his crew they were blood crazy and they threw themselves into danger with a zeal and with zeal that we kind of have come to know and love from chop chop he kept what? a bash list why was he so protective over the texan 
Was it just his mate or was there like a... His mate, yeah. Oh, okay. He liked him. He talks about him in his book a lot. Um, there's a few characters that he talks about in his book, mm. and he's one of them. And they'd be lifelong friends, too. Was he from Texas? Why was he called a Texan? Because he used to wear a cowboy hat. It's <laughs> <laughs> Australia. <laughs> they, they have Australian cowboys, though. Well, yeah, they do. Yeah. I've seen um, Awake Nick, from Fright. What was that Nick Cave movie he did about The Proposition? You ever see that? Oh, yeah. It's yeah, an Australian, Australian Western. It's pretty good. Yeah. So he, he kept a bash list. And during this time, he had a personal total of 63 attacks with 11 attempted murders. He's of a good friend and member of the gang. People definitely know this character, Jimmy Loughran. He iron barred at least 20 of the men. The war was broken because some gang members were sent to Jika Jika Division or Jika Jika when it first opened in 1980. So this is a maximum security ghoul within a ghoul part of Pentridge. So if you're a real bad fucker, they put you in Jika Jika and they just leave you there. Hmm. And and so like the, the gangs can attack each other as often. But Chopper was proud and confident until his dying day that he personally held the bashing record inside Pentridge. I love that term, exact. Iron Bard. It's just me barred. like smacking someone with a lead pipe. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Iron Bard. I like that. So he's inside Pentridge. Chopper already had his nickname by this point. He kind of got it in his Surrey Road days. It had come from a cartoon bulldog in the show Yaki Doodle. I never saw Yaki Doodle. I've never even heard of it. I think it must just be an Australian thing. Like Australia's Hanna-Barbera or something? Yeah, it kind of looked like that. I looked at a few pictures. But it was here that Chopper was to become infamous. So fans of the 2000 film Chopper, which we were talking about with Eric Banner, they'll be well aware of this scene. Reed earned the nickname Chopper after asking a fellow inmate to slice off his ears during one of his prison stints. He had said that he'd made the request for his ears to be chopped off um, in a bid to get transferred out of the notoriously uh, rough cell block, H Division, where he was housed where he's housed, but another time he said it was also an attempt to win a bet. This is Chopper. Did he get his ears like cleanly cut off, like completely? No, he's hacking at them. Can you remember that scene in the film where he's like, don't just hack at it, just cut it. And he's like, I don't want to do it, Chopper. And he's like, just cut it off. But I mean, did he, so he just got him like reattached? Like they didn't- No, he never had them reattached. So did he never had ears when he was older? Like he never had prison? ears. No, he used to like kids used to stare at him, and he'd be like, Are "You wondering where my ears are?" <laughs> <This is> character. <laughs> I wonder how that so, would affect your hearing. I'm not sure. Maybe you you can't hear is in stereo as well. Be like mm. listening to a Ramones album. You'd be like, the drums are coming so from everywhere. Like some interference or something. Yeah. So most of the underworld, they hated Reed, but he did have his allies amongst his crim inmates and actually some of the staff at the prison, they liked him too. So we were talking about James Richard Lachlan. He's an armed robber and escaper and he was a violent criminal and he was to be Chopper's wingman. They hatched revenge plots together. They tried to break out of jail as a team. In 78, they actually did escape from H Division and they sat on top of the roof in, um, in on A Division in a jail protest. So Charles Bronson mm. was probably paying close attention at the time. You know, Charles Bronson, the famous British criminal, not the actor. Yeah, he had um, a protest, pretty famous protest. Oh, he protested all the time. Many he would times. break out and sit on roofs. Have you seen the uh, Tom Hardy film? Oh, yeah, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, they came out at very similar times. So after another 
escape attempt, Jimmy, he was nursing two broken ankles and Reed was released from jail. He had promised Jimmy that if he had ever been released, that they would hatch a plot to get him released. So this is Chopper's out. plot. Yeah, he's gonna, it's going to be a, a, a boss of breakout. Yeah, yeah it's going to be a jailbreak. Chopper marched into the county car in early 78 and he held Judge Martin hostage at gunpoint, <laughs> demanding the release of his friend. Obviously, it's not going to go very well. Chopper, yeah, they were he's... BFFs. That's like, I, don't, totally. I can't think of a single friend I'd do that for. But uh, non me, I wouldn't do it for anyone. He was sentenced to another 17 years down the tubes of Pentridge for the stunt. He was only 24. Wow. But this BFF friendship, this Felmer and the Weeze relationship, it wasn't going to last. Not because of Chopper, though. You can't so, be bosom buddies forever. You can't. Chopper was stabbed by members of his own gang in a sneak attack because they felt that his plan was to cripple every other inmate in the entire division and win the gang war in one fell swoop. They thought it was going too far. Or maybe it was because Jimmy wanted to cash in on one of the huge contracts that were on Chopper's head. But we'll never know because Jimmy did die in a Jika Jika fire in 1987. Hmm. So he was stabbed with an ice pick and a knife. He lost part of his spleen, most of his gallbladder, several feet of stomach tubing, so many feet of bowel, and part of his colon. Jimmy had plunged the ice pick in the back of Chopper's neck as well. That nearly severed his spine. So Chopper said that when he got stabbed in H Division in 79, he went from being an 18-stone giant to a 14-stone weakling overnight. So wow. Jimmy uh, turned on him. He didn't he, have any friends. Yeah, he lost a lot of intestines there. But God, you can't trust anybody. That's a real... You remember that scene in the movie as yeah. well. It's very famous. When, yeah. It's so, too, uh, Brutus. <laughs> there you go, if you're Latin. <laughs> nah, that's what I'm saying. He's like, you know, yeah. this, is, this is a complete <laughs> betrayal. Yeah, it's a Judas uh, situation. So on uh, November the 24th, 1986, Mark was released from Bendingo Prison after serving nine, attempt, nine years for his attempt to kidnap the good Judge Martin. In that decade that he'd spent in jail, he had watched and he had learned about certain underworld figures that had amassed fortunes. So this is like the drug gambling and vice industries that were pumping out cash at an unprecedented rate. And he really wanted to be part of it. Was there like a mafia in Australia, like Italian mafia. He does talk about that. It's not, it was more the Asians. Oh, the like Asians Asian coming in. Mafia. Yeah, because the Yakuza, yeah. Because I mean, they're much closer to Asia than they are to Italy. So hmm. it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? So he kind of moved to Tasmania and his plan he planned to declare war on the major criminal crews of Melbourne. So he kept his place in Collingwood, but he would make sorties from Taz to kind of shoot bash and extort anyone that he felt like. And he definitely concentrated on drug dealers. Chopper felt that they were the scum of the earth. And he was actually doing us normal civilians, like people like me and you a favor by ridding the earth of them. He's like the Punisher. He's like the Punisher. He's more like the Punisher it. than the Dexter. I, yeah, he's definitely like a punisher. This is one of my favorite things about Chopper. So one of his favorite tricks would be to walk into like a crowded disco with a stick of dynamite in his mouth and he would just threaten to light it. And he said, it's no use keeping it in your pocket where they can't see it. <laughs> what a geezer. This is a quote from Chopper. Why did I choose to become a toker, a man who lived by torturing other criminals and robbing them? The criminal world is a cesspit of vomit. 
I have grown to despise and loathe the mainstream criminal population, for they are nothing but weak, gutted mice. They have no sense of personal honor and courage. The average police dog has more guts and brains than the average member of the criminal world. Ooh, harsh. Yeah. Having known people like Schlitzy, I would say that he's very true. <laughs> So now word is out in Melbourne that Chopper was a kind of walking dead man. Several contracts were taken out of him, uh, taken out on him, including one for 50K. And while this was all going on, Chopper, who believed that the enemy of uh, the enemy of his enemy is his friend, he was in talks with a squad of armed robbery detectives, and they were hoping that he would become a heavyweight informer and they would feed. No, no, he wasn't a snitch. Snitch is an informer is a snitch. They wanted him to become an informer, but he never became an informer. They would yeah. give information to Chopper, because this is in the film as well, such as like they would be like, Chopper, don't go to Melbourne this week because um, this guy's here and he's going to bash you. And Chopper would just ignore them because he wanted he would miss out on all the fun. You know, I read uh, some article on, on a Chop Chop that uh, he spoke... It was in a, a TV series called Tough Nuts. You were right. like an Australian <laughs> show. And he spoke Amazing. of his like mid eighties to early nineties rivalry with a gangster in uh in Melbourne called named Alfonsi Gangitano. That which oh, wow. that's why I was wondering if there's like an Italian um, you know, mafia presence there. Uh, he explained that he had a disagreement with Gangitano regarding an elderly neighborhood hero whom Gangitano admired. And it's alleged by uh, Reed that Gangitano burst open a toilet cubicle door while he was in there with a number of associates, and they began a serious assault on Chopper Reed, who was who managed to escape, but not before smearing his feces all over Gangitano's face, along with all the associates' faces as well. Chopper, <laughs> what, <a> <laughs> what a story! I love it. I didn't know that story. Yeah, when I was doing research, I was like, well, this guy is, he is utterly mental, this guy. Yeah, he's definitely like the Punisher, but with shit. (laughs) He'll punish you with shit. Again, I'm going to keep saying it, but fans of the film Chopper, this scene, you, you know this scene back to front. On June the 11th, 1987, he was fitted with a bulletproof vest that the detectives had provided for him. At around 6.30 a.m., Reed shot and killed a drug dealer, Siam Ozakam, better known as Sammy the Turk, outside the exceedingly classy Bojangles nightclub in St. Kilda. Next day, he told the detective Rod Porter about committing the killing, but they actually thought it was just Chopper taking the piss. (laughs) They told homicide detectives, who also thought it was Chopper taking the piss, he would eventually be charged with the murder of Sammy the Turk, but he claimed self-defense and he would be acquitted for this. Something that caused <laughs> Chopper great humor. <laughs> the chapter in his book about the whole event is hilarious. And it's just such a funny part of the film that it, this is his most audacious murder and he gets away with it. <laughs> it's like it's sod's law. It's really funny. Self-defense. But they did get him on other charges. They were charged and convicted him for burning down the house of a drug dealer, Nick Astroposilis. I'm sorry, I can't speak Greek. Uh, shooting Chris Lyopis and for firing random shots into Nick's mother's house. So there's his IRA tactics again. He, if he knows where your mother lives, I would be worried. I'd be worried for your mother. So he only served seven months in this time because in Chopper's words, behind every smart gangster, there is an even smarter lawyer. That is true. It's true. Dave the Jew yeah. says so. 
Dave the Jew lawyer, he was secretly released from Pentridge on November the 14th, 1991. He'd spent more than 17 years in prison and he had a reputation for violence and a blood splattered career as a street fighter, standover man, gunman, and underworld executioner. So is, do we have a little clip from now? Well, yeah. So during this time, I was going to say, uh, he, this is when he wrote his book, his first book. Yeah. Yeah, he did. his autobiography, which was a massive success, if you think about it, it became a bestseller. And uh, I mean, he kind of became a bizarre celebrity. And so he started doing like all these television interviews, which is hilarious that they'd be like, oh, we got to have him on. He's like this, you know, he's this notorious, you know, jail inmate, this violent, uh, you know, figure. But let's have him on. I think it'd be really interesting to, to chat with on our show. And so yeah. this is a particularly famous interview he did uh with i forget her name uh, uh renee someone yeah, yeah i forget her name too renee renee bark i think something like that uh but anyway uh, it was featured on hard copy so the intro is on hard copy talking about this particular interview so i'm gonna play the clip you'd have to search far and wide to find the most dangerous man in america let alone the world but meet chopper reed a woman faced him down in his hideout on an island off australia the real Tasmanian devil. But there's one scene the Americans didn't see, and neither did viewers in Australia. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a slug in this gun. Now, you're going to take my word for it, but there's a slug in this gun. It's a, he's got this gun. He's standing there. The woman, her name's Renee Brack. That's what it was. Um, and so she was, she's just standing there in Tasmania. He's got this gun. He's spinning around. He puts a bullet in it. And she's just kind of like, it's, you know, I got to say, like, she's definitely, you know, steeled herself for this. She has. Probably she's prepared herself for this. Yeah, for this interview. But she still had to have been like shitting herself somewhat. I mean, it's like you're with this guy who's obviously unpredictable, just been in prison for 17 years for so many violent, a litany of violent crimes. Now he's got a gun that he's spinning around with a bullet. And she's just sitting there with a microphone, just kind of like looking at him. <laughs> I know. It's good for her, man. Well, I want one shot to my head. One shot to Renee's. Are you ready, Renee? I don't think I want to play. Are you ready? You don't want to play. Bad luck. <laughs> he's mental and she and she just stood there and she just kind of like sort of smiled like riley like she kind of just smiled she had to have been shitting herself i mean just <laughs> you know that there's that that picture from that i had that as my facebook cover photo for about four years i'm <laughs> just chopping with his gun in a woman's it's like face. an involuntary game of russian roulette with this like psychopath his favorite game to play he made a lot of money playing russian roulette um, throughout his time, his favorite game. So he but, he cobbled that book together though from like letters. Three hundred, yeah, yeah, three hundred letters, and yeah, like you said, it was an international hit, um, especially in the UK, the US. It was top of the bestseller charts, and he was a bizarre celebrity figure in all of Australia. So you'd think with this fame would come fortune, but he was actually struggling um, psychologically. If you ever had the DVD of Chopper, it had uh, on the DVD, like, um, you know, secret bits. There was interviews of him and you can see, like, he's fucked up. He's always sitting with like his back to the wall. He's worried that he's never going to get to see the film because somebody's going to off him. And he had new associates in Tasmania at this time. 
who were like outlaw motorcycle gang members. They all shared his obsession with firearms. So like he was trying to go straight, but it seemed harder than ever for him now. Well, I mean, he's pissed off a lot of people. Man's made a lot oh, yeah. of enemies, not to mention he hangs with a pretty dangerous crowd. Like what do you expect? You got to watch your back. Yeah. And now he's like a celebrity figure. So the contracts were rising. In 1992, he was convicted of shooting Sidney Michael Edward Collins. It was one of his bikey mates and gang members in the chest. So this apparent incident took place in a, a chopper's car, and it was actually in the driveway of um, Sidney Michael Edwards Collins' residence at um, Evandale, Tasmania. The re- bullet was recovered from the back seat of the vehicle, and Collins named Chopper as the shooter. Chopper, he pleaded not guilty, but he was found guilty of committing an unlawful act intended to cause bodily harm. It was a downgraded charge from attempted murder, and he was sentenced as a dangerous criminal to indefinite detention. So much of his second book is all about this whole incident. Why, why did he shoot him? Like, did they get in a fight? He didn't shoot him. He, this is the I'm on Chopper's side of this, that he didn't shoot him, but they're doing it so that they can cash in and try and get some money out of this whole situation. Because they're them, the not family? people. No, of these Collins? gang members. Oh, that these he was in gang the... members. That were... Yeah. Oh, okay. Huh. So he he maintained his innocence. If you read his book, you'll see why he's all in. I think he's innocent. He But he did say it was kind of rough justice because he'd been getting away with so many acts of violence over at least 20 years, you know, like pointing like guns in women's mother. faces. Yeah. He said, I can see the irony in finally going down for that one frigging shooting that I didn't do after beating the system so many times before. We well, did kill find... Sammy the Turk. Self-defense. Yeah. Yeah, self-defense. I find it the height of good humor that to some people, my greatest crime is not so much the killing and the maiming of various drug dealers who have crossed my path, but that I refuse to apologize for and wallow in some shonky show of public remorse on a TV camera. <laughs> I might be a psychopath, but I'm an honest psychopath. He's exactly what he is. He knows who he is. psychopath. He's an upstanding guy. So this first book, the reaction to the first book, it gripped the literary world. He received fan mail. He received offers for contract killings from strangers, (laughs) requests of advice from people who wanted to murder their enemies. Total strangers, they would show up at the Pink Palace, which is Risden Prison in Tasmania, and they would ask uh, to see him so that they could sign their copies of his book. (laughs) Members of occult groups, they wanted to conscript him as their head warlock. He stood far away from that one. But now he's totally stuck in between two worlds. So to the civilized, he's kind of, yeah, he's a monster. He's a psychopath. And to the underworld, he's broken a code and he's even more feared and hated and not to be trusted than he was before. Chopper, looking at it with his kind of humor, he said, life gives you two choices. You can either cry your bloody eyes out or you can laugh about it. I refuse to cry. You have to see the funny side of some very black situations. He definitely has a gallows humor, this guy. Yeah, he's great. While he was in jail as well, he he managed to marry two upstanding and I'm sure very beautiful ladies whilst he was in jail. And they had two two sons. Two very, yeah, you know, one. I think you have two wives in Tasmania. No, he would like married one, got divorced, married another one. While he was in jail. So you can get conjugal visits then. Well, obviously, because they produced two sons. He's oh. got two kids, Charlie and Roy Brandon. And he was actually able to spend time with both of them because he was finally released after his indefinite um, jail term in 1998. What, what happened to the two sons? I actually couldn't find out much about them. I think they just live like 
quiet kind of lies. If your dad's like this, you're not going to go into the crim world. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Because you're just no, a target. It's a hell of a reputation to live up to, you know? It's like uh, Julian Lennon. Oh, Remember? God. <laughs> <laughs> of all the people to pick. Well, I'm just saying, like Julian Lennon or Sean Lennon, it's just like, okay, you're not your yeah. dad. You're not. Um, it, it must be tough to be like the son of... It's like um, Nick Cassavetes. Why Nick Cassavetes makes films when your dad is John Cassavetes is fucking beyond me. If I was him, I would just go shadow. and be... Yeah, I would go and be a barista or something. You can't ever live up to it. So that's probably why they live nice, quiet lives. The year 2000, that's when the film Chopper starring Eric Banner was released based on stories from Reed's books and independent research, like interviews and stuff. Um, some of it led to events that portrayed on screen that somewhat contradicted uh, Chopper's versions. For instance, uh, Chopper claimed in early books he was uh, totally against drugs, but the film does portray him as a very casual drug user. But again, Chopper, in response to this, says, you have to have tried something to be able to say you hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I love Chopper. I try everything at least once. Yeah. So to date, he has sold more than half a million of his Chopper series of books. He has appeared in the highly successful Underbelly series. I love the Underbelly books. We should totally do something about those. them. I have about four of them. They're all like Australia. It's like a collective of like Australia weird crimes and unsolved crimes. If you think, yeah, if you think the cops in America are bent, you have not met the Australian <laughs> police. I can imagine. So yeah. He also did a series of children's books called Hooky the Cripple, you know, which I'm sure are fantastic reads. I was doing, I spent a good 30 minutes looking for a copy of that. I only found one on, oh, uh, really? on the UK eBay, 168 pounds. Whoa. Yeah. I, know I'm kind of I didn't even look for it. I'm going to try and get a copy. No, I was taking a look to see if I could find it. The only one I found on, on, uh, on the UK's eBay. I like his Australian. second book that he wrote, the How to Shoot Friends and How to Shoot Friends and Influence People. Yeah, Do you have that's that one. A, yeah, I took most of my research from those first two books. Oh, that's, and that's great. That one. If anyone in Australia can get us a copy of Hooky the Cripple, <laughs> hook us up, DM us. So this is all not bad for a man who claimed to have killed nineteen people and been involved in the attempted murder of eleven, 11 more. That not that Chop Chop would ever let the truth get in the way of a good yarn. You know, I read that uh, Reed was during this time was persuaded by his manager, Andrew Roper, um, to use his name on a wine called Chopper really? Red. Yeah. Oh and then God. later on a beer called Chopper Heavy. Oh, I wonder if you can still get it. Australians, you got to let us know. Uh, the beer is produced in Ruther Glen, Victoria, and it's a town associated with Australia's most notorious outlaw, Ned Kelly. And yeah. River Glen is also um, in Scotland. It's a shithole. So. <laughs> in 2007, despite his apparent successes, I mean, he'd already written some, you know, several like uh, best-selling books. He was forced to declare bankruptcy, which included an $80,000 credit card debt and $140,000 in private loans to 12 different people. I think yeah, it was people... a shitty business manager because he ended up uh, firing. Um, Roper was replaced by uh, Andrew Parisi later on, so he fired that guy. Good. It was also during this time that he said that he said that he contracted um, hepatitis C mm. during his time in prison, possibly as a result of using shared razor blades that had blood in them, or it could have been from all his prison tattoos. In March 2008, he revealed that he only had about two to five years to live and that he required a liver transplant. 
but he refused to agree to the procedure, stating that while a transplant would save him, he didn't want one when an organ could be provided to someone else. He said, I'm not going to ask for a liver transplant. It's not fair. I'm 55 years old. I'm not going to put my name down next to that of a 10-year-old kid. I mean, that's noble <laughs> shit. You just, it's noble shit, though. I really yeah. admire that about no, him. That, that is that is definitely uh, noble. Um, you know, I read that uh, he wasn't afraid to die. And he blamed his uh, former friend, Jimmy Lofton, for ruining any chance of a liver transplant because he was stabbed nine times in that prison fight, and he had too yeah. much scar tissue around his liver to even operate on it. Oh, chop, chop, fucking yeah. Jimmy, man. Yeah. Jimmy. So in April of 2012, he had liver cancer. It, like, progressed. He underwent surgery in July 2012 to try and remove some of the tumors, but in late September 2013... He was again admitted to Melbourne Private Hospital. He died there of the illness on the 9th of October, 2013, age 58. So you've got to pour out some of your Castlemaine Vorex for the amazing story of a man who cheated death numerous times and lived to tell us the tale until the bitter end. So we're going to leave the last word to Australia's most notorious criminal, the king of the toe cutters himself. I know that I have said that I regret nothing, but the truth is, is that I regret plenty. I regret my whole life. I regret not having lived a real life, not being able to walk the streets of the city I love without having to look over my shoulder. Jean ne regrette rien. I regret nothing. What a sick joke. I regret everything. Wow. Did he say that on his deathbed? No, that's, it's, um, that's the closing of his first book. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. It's like a... Uh... Yeah. His his tune changed quite a bit from when he was younger. His books are like a, a complex. He's definitely a complex man. But what I like about Chopper is he's very self-aware. He's not like, I don't know, he's definitely a different type of criminal to what he's talking about, the weak-gutted mice. Chopper had a code, and he lived by this code. The I respect him. He is the Punisher. Yeah. These Australian Punisher mates. See, I'm glad I did all of that without putting on tons of Australian accents. <laughs> yeah, you, you did quite well. I was surprised. Um, you showed remarkable restraint there. I did. I was um, restraining. Yeah, you know what I, I read? that. Uh, so Mark Chopper Reed's uh, Dying Wish was to star in a film playing himself. Because I don't think he was in uh, Banner's Chopper, was he? No, no. I don't oh, think they even met. That's crazy that he didn't even have like, a cameo. Or wasn't no, even they consulted. didn't meet. Yeah, no, the, he was consulted, but and they why, did why not meet. like a cameo? Um, I don't know. It's a bit cheesy when that happens. It's like, you know, whenever Sometimes. Stan Lee pops up on Marvel films, I boo. I yeah, hate but I Stan thought it was Lee. cool when uh, Hitchcock used to do it. But Hitchcock would be like, you know, yeah, I suppose. Like, yeah, you could have had him like ride, driving a bus or a cab or something. Um, yeah. I, I would have asked him in the movie. But anyway, his dying wish was to, to play himself in a film. And so he's going to be playing himself in a movie that's coming out in 2023. Uh, it's awesome. an Australian crime drama called Pinball. So before his death, he filmed these scenes for this movie, Pinball, and it was shelved for years. And so now uh, finally they're going to release in 2023. Uh, it tells a story of an Australian rules footballer who becomes caught up in Melbourne's like gangland underbelly. Awesome. And uh, Reed appears in the film opposite Wolf Creek star John Jarrett. And it's oh, based cool. in Collingwood and on the uh, the Collingwood Football Club. Awesome. I'm totally going to see that. I yeah, you know it what? sounds like a great movie. Australia, 
regularly pumps out amazing, amazing pictures. Like there's just so many good films from Australia and they just don't get the hype. Like I know we disagree about Wake and Fright, but I think that's one of the greatest films ever made. Well, it hardly compares to Crocodile Dundee 1 or 2. But yeah, I also I love Crocodile Dundee 1 <laughs> and 2. <laughs> And we we go into we, we've talked on the patrons so often about the loved ones since both of us saw it this year. And you're completely overlooking Bad Boy Bubby, Bad which Boy I recently Bubby. watched, and that's an amazing movie. I love that film too. That's and incredible not film. even very moving. Even even films like Candy, Candy with Heath Ledger and uh, Jeffrey Rush. That's an amazing film as well. Look, that's one of my favorites. And don't forget Yahoo Serious. All right. I've never seen brilliant. Yahoo Serious. <laughs> <laughs> what was that movie you did? Was it Young Einstein? I, what? I don't know. You didn't see that? Oh, you should watch I've that. I've seen Young Rambo. Einstein. I've seen that. You're going to sprain so. your wrist, uh, Mike, into that one. No, it's not Gummo. <laughs> <laughs> um, people, go check out the Chop Chop movie. I'm going to watch that this weekend. Chopper. It was a great film. It really was. It's an amazing film. And I just love Chopper. Get that right. If you The books are cheap on eBay. You're talking a couple of quid, and you will read them. In an afternoon, they're unput. They are unput downable. He's hmm. he he knows how to spin a yarn. Yeah, I want to check it out. I haven't actually never read his books. Uh, Beautiful episode eight hundred nine here is sick and wrong. Got some phone calls coming up next. Uh, before we get to that though, here's a word from Adam and Eve. Hey, sick and wrong listeners. This is Trucker Paul. I gotta tell you about this wonderful porno place where you can buy jack off machines. Dildos, inflatable wives. I've bought them all. When I go home, I like to diddle my wife with a, a little dildo. When I'm on the road, I got my second wife, my blow up doll, and my jack off sleeve. Go to adamandeve.com. Type in the word diddle. D I D D L E. And you'll get 50% off all your masturbation machines. Adios, lick my balls. I put a spell on you. Because of mine. So you got a few phone calls to get to. 323-522-4032 is that number. People can call the drunk dial line any time of the day, any time of the evening. Um, you don't have to be drunk. You can also be high. Um, and you can send us an email uh, to gmail.com or even submit a call via Facebook, Facebook message like uh, this particular person. Um, yeah, you know what? Uh, we played one of his calls on Patreon where he's very sentimental. Um, boner villain. When he called oh, me, we, we, we did, yeah. On, yeah, if you go to the Patreon. Very drunk, sentimental boner villain expressing his, uh, like, his love. love for the show, really. Because he's listened a long time. And I know, like, superficially, there's a lot of animosity, but deep down inside, he loves the show. He does. He does. Well, here does. he is again. D, this is the boner villain. I'm better than you. Kate, I would talk to you, but I don't actually know how to talk to girls. But I'm better than you, too. He's better than both of us. 
I yeah, Bona Villain is better than probably anyone else who listens to this show. It's like, you know, when you first started using a computer and it would be like, pick a password and you'd just write like, Kate is great, 666. And that would be your password to everything. That's the that's still the Bona Villain's password. Mine Bona Villain is best, 666. Mine was Ben Stiller's a faggot 69. <laughs> What's it? Uh, is he a faggot? Or are you just? Did you ever see being... that? What was it between two ferns with Ben Stiller? Zach Galifianakis. Oh, not for years. I've oh, not seen that for years. <laughs> he was like, oh yeah, you could just email me. He's like, oh, what's your email? <laughs> ben Stiller's a faggot sixty nine at gmail. <laughs> I thought you were just hating on a fellow. A fellow no, teacher. I like Ben Stiller actually. I always thought that was funny. You know, he just He's... had like prostate cancer or something. He's hit or miss for me, but when he's a hit, he's very, very good. Mystery Men, hit. Total hit. I love Mystery Men. It's one of my favorite superhero films. Well, let's listen to this guy who's 100% boner villain. There's not a <laughs> doubt in my mind. This is boner this villain. This is boner villain, yeah. And D, you'll be broke because of your cat cream. <laughs> when I'm not staring into my guns in my grandma's garage, I'm subscribing to the Patreon so I can get hours and hours of more stalking done. I can't wait to wear D and even Kate's skin suits. <laughs> oh, by the way, I'm super fucking rich. Born or villain out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it. you know, it's, it's, it's uh, definitely with 100% certainty that was born or villain. Thank you for calling in there. And he's right. I spend hundreds of dollars a month on cat cream. Just and also, you can stalk us more heavily. We're way more uh, on the Patreon than we are anywhere else. Well, so how, yeah, come stalk how do you us. think I afford my cat cream? Yeah, that's um, the, the thing. Patrons. Like a bald man's head, you got to keep them shiny. You know, you I spend I spend at least thirty minutes a day waxing my cat, my hairless wax cat. On, wax off. <laughs> yeah, I do. That's why he cries so much. Well, and jizzes. Maybe. I think he enjoys his waxing, his daily waxing. But he's not, he he's, does. he's you know, I mean, that, that stuff isn't cheap. Got to buy it from Paris, France. That's where I get my cat <laughs> wax. So uh, definitely sign up for the Patreon. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Boner Villain. Uh, this next call, I just want people to prepare themselves. Um, just don't, don't eat while you listen to this one. Um, that's the only thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forewarn you here. Just don't eat while you're listening to this call. Hi Dee, hi Kate, it's Kate's fake mum here. Um, Yay! I've just been listening to Patreon and Kate's ingrowing hair doctor story and it's brought back some bad memories. I don't want to, I don't want to ruin it for people who haven't heard that story, but it will change your opinion of Kate. <laughs> you, you will. When you hear that, you're going to be like, because now it's like when I look at Kate, all I can think about is that story. <laughs> is, uh, it's also, your doctor. I didn't. I didn't tell that story for years because I was so embarrassed about it. I'm joking. I find it very arousing. <laughs> of course you do. It's for me of one of my worst experiences when I was a um, student nurse in the hospital. Um, I was it's about 20 years ago now and I was on a gynae ward and there was a lady <laughs> who had an empyema. Now an empyema Ooh. is a collection of pus in a naturally occurring cat sort of cavity um so an empyema is that what she said is it is that what she means like because you've got your glands in your thighs so that's a naturally occurring cavity is it like is a that... cyst yeah yeah maybe 
An empaima. I love the way that that kind of sounds like an Italian dish. I'll, yes, I'll have the empaima, and it comes out, and it's all. Em- I think she's saying empaima. Empaima. It could be the newest dance craze across Europe. Like a Susie and the Banshee song. She actually had empyema of the womb, so her womb was empyema completely womb filled with pus and had been for uh, months, and she uh, was constantly dripping out of it. Uh, um, I can't even begin to tell you. I, I didn't even realise things like this existed until this experience. And the smell, what did it smell was like? absolutely yeah. horrendous. It was worse than anything I have ever smelt before. Wait. Her whole vag was filled with pus. The womb, yeah. So and it was just dripping out like a period, just filled oh. with pus. That is so fucking gross. God. That is beyond gross. Like a Ew. long john just filled with custard. I can't. I was embarrassed to tell my ingrown hair story. <laughs> I would be embarrassed to tell this. Jesus. I gotta say, your ingrown hair story kind of pales in comparison. It's in to comparison, this. it totally You'd does. You have your whole womb filled with pus. <laughs> Oh God! Since it, I can't, I can't even explain it. It was a strange smell, and it was horrible. And the nurse in charge we were working with couldn't cope with it. She couldn't go in the room without bulking. So, <laughs> being student nurse, me and my friend, we were enthusiastic and wanted to get involved with everything. So we were asked to take this lady and help her from her bed to the commode to go to the toilet oh no um so we went in there she didn't have the best of mobility she was wearing some netty knickers and a big sort of sanitary pad thing um that was in situ that she was constantly dripping into oh no and um anyway we got her sort of off the bed to in front of the commode and my friend was holding her at the back and I had to pull down her netty knickers and the pad. And as I did so, I kind of got to my knees beside her and I'm just about to remove them because it was such a mess. This um, pus was just like so gloopy and it was stringy. It was like child snot coming out of the nose, but on a sort of thicker, greyer coat. It was just horrible. And as I bent down, I felt something on my ear really, really cold. And I was like, oh, my God, I know what that is. And what had happened was the lady had, as she'd swung round and as I was taking a knickers down, some of this pus had got on the handle of the commode and it was just sort of hanging there and my ear had touched it. So it was now hanging on my ear like a horrible pus-filled earring and and it was so horrible that's exactly what i was thinking to see from there's something about mary Mary. (laughs) she had like the pus in her hair (laughs) i do have another story i could talk about something well hold on there's a part two no i'm gonna have to do it on the patreon because it's a it's an abortion story so i'll do it on remind me to do it on the patreon in response to my fake mum. that's gonna be even more arousing not as much as this, though. Are you at half mast right now, Dee? Because I tell you what, my pants are around my ankles, and <laughs> I, my pussy is nearly filling up with puss at this story. Would you have bar? I wouldn't have done that. I would. I would have been like, I'm not going to be a nurse. I'm just going to go it, work at. Arby's. Oh yeah, I would have been like, I'm tipping. Well, the maybe fuck not out. Arby's after now. that. I, think I was like, <laughs> 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 I was 
the horseradish sauce was just uh made me oh i love horseradish though nothing will put me off horseradish. i don't know not on that roast beef sandwich <laughs> sorry i ran out of time there so where did we end up i had my big pussy earring on my ear and anyway, do you know what? It's probably one of the few times that I've remained professional at a time like that. Um, I didn't squeal <laughs> or scream or anything. I just looked at my friend and my friend looked at me and she was giggling. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Um, anyway, we sorted the lady out and then... Oh my God, I would have screamed, bar. I probably would have barfed. Screamed, then barfed, then ran out the room. You know that feeling, because I did it recently, when you walk into a cobweb, and then for the next five minutes, you kind of do that cobweb dance, because you just- You think it's on you. You you think the spider's on you, and you're just like, you do that flicking That's I probably would have reacted like um, Hooch and Turner and Hooch, and just shook my fucking head, and then just seen where the fucking, the puss earring ended up, and just been like, I mean, I guess it could have gotten in your mouth. Oh, dear. <laughs> I'm just saying it could be worse, all right? It could be worse. I went and I disinfected my ear, and um, I think, I can't remember properly, but I think I actually managed to get off shift and go home early, so at least something nice. good came out of it. Um, so that was horrendous. Um, I've got plenty of Fangio stories, actually, from nursing. Um, so there was... Um, one really, really bad shift in A&E and we were in the minors' cubicles and in the first cubicle there was a lady who actually had maggots in her fanny, which, no. <laughs> most no, A&E no, nurses no. will tell you, isn't as unusual as you'd think. We've had um, at least at least three oh. that I can remember in my time. Um, so that was the lady in cubicle. How do you get maggots in your pussy? Firstly, I want to know how they treat if you have a put if you have puss in your pussy. How do they treat that, or is it just a case of you're nearly your Death Star? We just leave the puss inside of you. You put the puss in pussy. It put the puss in pussy. And secondly, if you've got maggots in your pussy, what the fuck? What how the fuck is do you wrong get maggots you? in your pussy? That's there's something decaying inside of you. Is that what like you've left a tampon in there? There's like too much scum buildup. I think you know what, what I are think the is maggots like, in. You were using a makeshift dildo, some kind of food <gasps> item. It broke. Oh, like Bob Badella has gone to town on you with a carrot. And it's just broke off inside of you. Something. Oh my god. Cheese stick. I just want to stitch my pussy And then in the cubicle next to her, there was an alcoholic gentleman who was absolutely bladdered, who'd been in the street rolling in dog shit. So I thought it was really funny, the conversation when we were trying to decide what we wanted to do, who was going to take the maggots and who was going to take the dog shit. And I think I definitely didn't do the maggots because I don't think I could have coped with that. Um, I did the dog shit because I own dogs and I'm like, I'm kind of used to dog shit, so I'll do that one. Um, anyway, that's that. Um, hope you're okay, everybody. Still enjoying the podcast. See you soon. Stay sick and wrong. Bye. Wow. Talk about a thankless job. I, You know, I admire nurses well, each yeah. and every day, what they have to deal with. I don't, I know I don't have that medal. I don't, I couldn't do that. I, I could not either. do what you do. I would have, yeah. I probably would have been scarred for life after seeing a maggot pussy. And I definitely would have to... vomited all over myself. 
What would you choose between maggots or dog shit? Dog shit over maggot pussy. I See, mean, I if I, I if I picked... saw a maggot pussy, I don't know if I could fuck another one. Because in I my mind, I would, I would just be thinking about it all the time. Then dog shit? The guy's got some dog shit on his back. She's got a uh, yeah, pussy full of maggots. See, the guy the guy rolling around dog shit, though, he's bladded, he's drunk, yet I just wouldn't be asked to do all that. Whereas I've got a bit more empathy for the maggot pussy. I kind of feel bad as to how You'd is that situation You'd be picking maggots happened. out of her pussy. You were I'd so like, full I'm of sure, shit. I'm sure, you, I'm sure you don't pick them out. I'm sure you flush them out. I'm sure you, like, douche them out and then do an x-ray and see if there's any little more. you got to guarantee you're using forceps to get the one you're, you're missing. Probably. I would I'm, just take I'm the motherfucker outside maggots, and though. hose him down. Like, yeah, it's not going to be that hard. That's what nurses do. They you, take you outside and they use the hose just, on you. You do that. I know what you do. You just hose them down. He's not going to know he's bladdered. Nurses are I like incredible. That term, by the I way. know we, yeah, bladders. We do have a lot of great nurses who listen to this show. There's a lot of nurses, and I'm wondering if there's like this is like the gauntlets now on the ground, and other nurses are going to be like, oh, you think you know sick? Oh, I'll that's tell you what, sick. So this might happen because want. there are a lot of nurses that listen to this show. Yeah, and, and my in the past, we've had a has, few, but um, she's definitely you know set the, the bar pretty high. I think she has uh, actually set the bar, but I know that she's probably got way worse stories. I yeah, I would. I mean, I'd, I'd love to hear them, although I my my stomach is turning. Um, wow. Yeah, every time I hear things like that, I'm just kind of like, I don't know how nurses can do it. I don't know it how they can do it. It just reminds me that we are, at the end of the day, but animals. We're just civilized fucking chimps in clothes when that type of stuff happens to you. I was like, I do really want to sew up my vagina and never have sex again now. So it's worked well, as contraception. Thanks, my fake mom. Should have told me these stories when I was whoring it or about the million dollar question. What would you rather have your pussy filled with, maggots or pus? Oh, God, it's awful. I think seeing the maggots come out of you would be a hundred. It's like something out of Hellraiser. I mean, you would be so like freaked out. So I'd probably choose the puss. I wonder if it would smell better. Well, maggots don't really smell, do they? It's the decaying mm. matter around the maggots. Maggots don't themselves. All right, which smell. would you rather go down on? A puss, a puss filled <laughs> pussy or a maggot filled pussy. I think the maggots, because they're not going to smell. Whereas I think the puss filled pussy is just the smell of that will never leave you. It's like when you smell a dead body, you can smell it for the rest of your life. Ah, God, that's gnarly. Reminds me of the thought <laughs> experiment we used to do on the show. Me and Wacken, we used to do this all the time. Did I ever tell you that one? Where it's like if you were walking down the street right, and a random motorist drove by with three balloons filled with, with um, different liquids in his car. Would you rather be hit with a balloon filled with, this is a random stranger, you don't know this person, yeah. random man, you know, just driving by in his car, throws a balloon, one filled with blood, one filled with diarrhea, and one filled with, uh, with uh, cum. Oh wait, cum, pus, and rhea, that's what it was. One filled with pus, Ooh. one filled with cum, one filled with diarrhea, what would it be? Well, cum, because I'm no stranger to it. The cum would be fine. It's like, puss, no. The diarrhea, no. Are All these right, warm? Are they warm or cold? Because I think that also makes a difference. Probably warm. I mean, the guy's like, it's probably, I mean, it must have, the, the, the thing it's is, the, with the pus, I mean, there could be a lot of pus that could come out of a wound, so you could probably fill a balloon up in like a week or something. But cum, that would take years. So this is years of cum in this it, balloon. I'm choosing the warm cum. Yeah, That's I always thought like the three grossest substances would be cum, pus, or rhea. 
Yeah, definitely not blood. I mean, if blood was an option, I, that yeah, would be I'd my first choice. Be the first one I think I would choose oh, the hardest part is right. So yeah, comes an easy choice. Now puss but then or Rhea. choosing, yeah, puss or Rhea to be covered in. I think oh uh, I think just by a slight edge, the Rhea next. <laughs> wow, you're really disgusted edge. by puss. Yeah, puss is gross, man. And plus it has that smell to it, doesn't it? Like the puss. Yeah, Whereas, Rhea doesn't smell too good either. You know, obviously we, we've all dealt, yeah, but we've all dealt with Rhea a lot more in a lot more common situations than we wound. have with them with a festering wound. Yeah. So I think that's the grossest because we deal with it the least. Well, just save that thought experiment for your family for Thanksgiving. It's a good time to bring it up. Well, we don't celebrate that. So Christmas time. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm just saying the American listeners, just bring it up with yeah. the family Thanksgiving. Good dinner table conversation. You can all bond. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Kate's fake mom for, um, making me feel disgusted and now i want what, to take a shower what a story i hope yeah. this does encourage all the other nurses to ring in with their disgusting stories shout out to all the nurses we love you people call the signal hotline 323-522-4032 um if you aren't already on the patreon i think it's time you show your favorite podcraft a little love by signing up for the patreon page show us a little love you know we've been doing this a long time i'm going to try to guilt trip you into doing it but, you know, you get a lot of bang for your buck on the Patreon, especially now. I, I mean, we're literally producing an extra show's worth of content every week. So if, uh, you know, one show a week doesn't do it for you, doesn't cut it, for five bucks, you get an extra story, you get an extra phone calls, you get um, outtakes. I think this week uh, we covered a pretty interesting news story. Um, people might have heard about this uh, bizarre story of this rich Southern lawyer who was a junkie named uh, Alex Murdo, uh, who hired a meth addict to shoot him in the head. And meanwhile, his wife and his son were murdered like two months ago. The, the whole story is bizarre. Yeah, it was like a film. I really love this new story. Yeah, it was pretty good. And then for just a couple bucks more, you can get our Sick and Wrong News segment. This week, we discuss uh, Dr. Fauci being forced to comment on Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend's testicles. <laughs> And two teen nursing home aides who were caught uh, twerking and kissing a dementia patient. So that's the type oh. of things we get to there on, uh, on the news. And then uh, also at, at that level on the Patreon, you get our uh, bonus um, mini-sode, Overkill. Kate, what did you do Overkill on this week? Because uh, this week was about Chopper and he kind of became a celebrity for his book. I did a Christiana F. and uh, The Children of Bahnhof Sue. Because she became a celebrity from her book. So check it out, Overkill. It's a very uh, obscure topic. Um, we work really hard, though, seriously, to, to produce this show every week. So we do appreciate everybody that supports us on Patreon. It, it, it really is the, the only thing that keeps the show going. And the only way I can afford to buy the cat cream for uh, Caliban. So I appreciate Bless. that. Yeah, that's why he's so shiny. Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Also, we do have a, a T Public store. With uh, lots of merch, you can go buy yourself a Vart shirt. Um, they have a sale, I think, this week going on right now. A Patreon-only sale. So go check it out. Sickandwrongpodcast.com slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope. Buy yourself some uh, Sick and Wrong merch. Before we get to the song of the week, I just want to tip my glass to one of my favorite comedians who passed this week due to a nine-year battle, secret battle with cancer. Rest in peace, Norm MacDonald. I've always admired Norm. Seen, seen him perform three times. 
Um, was a huge fan of his podcast, huge fan of his comedy. And uh, yeah, the world lost a good person. Good one. Lost yeah, a good one this, uh, this week. I was pretty bummed about that, actually. Um, so anyway, rest in peace, Norm MacDonald. And I'm going to end the secret clip after the song of the week is uh, if people make it through um, that, that, that far through the show, um, is going to be one of my favorite Norm MacDonald uh, jokes. Finally here, a sick and wrong song of the week. Kate told me about this. I didn't even know about this. I had no idea that Chopper had a hip-hop album. Okay, called, I love him. Called Interview with a Madman. Like in Diary his, uh, of a Madman, Interview with a Madman. In his books as well, he writes a lot of poems. I didn't have time to read out some of his poems, but I can totally see why he is a gangster rapper. I just, I never even, I never heard of this, never even thought about it, but apparently uh, he released an album called Interview with a Madman with a, a number of uh, of guest appearances from uh, Hijack and Torcha, uh, the band Justice, Lazy Gray, Necro, and some various other uh, hip hop artists. Um, but yeah, a lot of it's like spoken word, but there are a few songs that he actually raps. Um, and so this next song is a song that the song we're going to end the show with uh, that he does rap. But you know what? I was, I was listening to the album and it's good. It's definitely entertaining. Some of the songs, it's mostly like, you know, a couple sound bites yeah. of him and it's mostly the other rappers. But there are a few songs like the one we're going to play that he's pretty much rapping you know, or, or talking, you know, uh, throughout, but it made me wonder if, if, uh, that inspired that, if Chopper inspired Sasha Baron Cohen to do that character in who is America, Rick Sherman. So Rick Sherman was a recently released British ex convict who used his limited resources in prison to create art, music, and culinary dishes. So it was like, so Sasha Baron Cohen at one point is in like, I think he's like in Santa Barbara at an art gallery showing his uh, art and that he made with his own shit and, and blood and, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. cum. And like the woman's like, oh my God, this is beautiful. Yeah, you know, I'll just definitely sell this in my gallery. And, and it's just, but I mean, and then there's another part where he's like DJing in a club in Miami. It made me think, I wonder if like that's what inspired uh, Sasha Cohen. Because he probably was very familiar with Chopper. Yeah, I hope so. I hope a little part of Chop Chop went into that. <laughs> anyway, we're going to end the song, the show here with the song The Way They Pop Off by uh, Mark Chopper Reed off his 2006 hip-hop record, Interview with a Madman. Uh, people will be back next week with episode 810. Till then, take it sleazy. What a quitting Tarantino I know about cutting off fucking ears anyway. You see that bloody prick cut off that fucking copper's ear? There was no blood. Believe me, when you cut off someone's fucking ear, there's blood all over the fucking place. It don't stop fucking bleeding. That fucking copper fucking hardly had any blood on him at all. That fucking Quentin Tarantino knows fuck all about cutting off fucking ears. He should never have made that fucking movie, Reservoir Dogs. What a fucking cocksucker he is. So I can take the money, never have to run. Clips are inserted into my gun. So I can take the money, never have to run. Tackle Chop Chop, the man you love to fear. Fuck Reservoir Dog, I'll lop off your ears. So listen clear, and I hope you understand. It's not easy as a standover man. Firstly, firstly, most criminals are liars. Where's the cash at? Fucking hell, I'm growing tired. 
Grab the pliers and undo his shoes. Now I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I go in, man, money, no. Grab the drug dealer by his big toe. If he gets the cash, then I'll let him go. If not, you'll never wear thongs again, bro. To all you ballerinas, you want to be drug dealers. You want to get the picture clearer? I'll get up in between you. You and your cash flow. Tell me where it's stashed so I can do the lash. No? See you later, big toe. Calm down, sir. Where are you? Oh, oh, I shit on myself. Machetes and pliers blow torches on skin. These are a few of my favourite things. For torture devices, they are the nicest I use. Chops dental clean. I use vice grips on too. So tell me the truth, and you won't have to lose your pinky like Biggie. <laughs> That's all I'm fucking after, mate. But don't make me laugh. Escape. You won't get past the gate with only half a stake. As your left leg, what I said is what I meant. So give me some dollars and I'll leave you some seats. Of what life's like while walking and limping. It's either the dough or four fingers like Simpson. So stop while you're drinking and snorting your stuff. You want to play games, I'll show you what's tough. I'll call your damn bluff. Put a pugger to your face. Take your money to your girl and say have a nice day. You know they've shit on themselves, right? Saw it on the news. Died crying like a bitch. You get in the car and what happens? Uh, my driver tells me a joke. <laughs> <laughs> the driver we sent to pick you up told you a joke. Yeah. And you're going to tell it now on the show. Yeah, that's how I get a lot of my material. <laughs> okay. Why don't we just have him on next time? Uh, that guy. <laughs> you, yeah, that guy. No, wait till you hear me do it. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy, he goes, uh, uh -huh. he, uh, I say, uh, I'll be the guy. Okay. Uh, a moth. <laughs> a moth goes into a podiatrist's office. A moth goes into a podiatrist's office. Right. You are correct. <laughs> a moth goes into a podiatrist's office, mm -hmm. and uh, the podiatrist's office says, what's the problem? And the moth says, what's the problem? Where do I begin, man? He goes, I go to work for uh, Gregory Olinovich, and uh, all day long I work. Honestly, Doc, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. I don't even know if Gregory Olinovich knows. He only knows that he has power over me, and that seems to bring him happiness. But I don't know. I wake up in a malaise, and I, I walk here and there. And the podiatrist says, oh, yeah? And the moth goes, yes. And he goes, uh, at night, I, I sometimes wake up, and I turn to some old lady in my bed that's on my arm. A lady that I once loved, Doc. I don't know where to turn to. My youngest, Alexandria. She, she fell in the, in, the, in the cold of last year. Mm -hmm. The cold took her down, as it did many of us. <laughs> and my other boy. <laughs> and this is the hardest pill to swallow, Doc. My other boy. Gregario <laughs> Ivanilidovich. I no longer love him. <laughs> as much as it pains me to say, when I look in his eyes, all I see is the same cowardice that I, that I catch when I take a glimpse of my own face in the mirror. <laughs> if only the cowardice was stronger, then perhaps... 
Perhaps I could bring myself to reach over to that cocked and loaded gun that lays on the bedside behind me. And in this hellish facade once How long a drive was this? <laughs> do you live in the valley? Where do you live? Please, sorry. He says, Doc. Sometimes I feel like a spider, even though I'm a moth. Just barely hanging on to my web with an everlasting fire underneath me. I'm not feeling good. And so the, moth, the, the doctor says, Moth, man, you're troubled. But you should be seeing a psychiatrist. Why on earth did you come here? And then the moth said, Because the light was on. <laughs> Congratulations to anyone who stuck it through to the end. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>